0: d
1: women, Welcome! My name's Alicia. And I'm Lauren. So yeah, welcome to Do My Women, the <laughs> podcast. If you haven't ever listened to us before, you should just be aware that Alicia is maybe still suffering the effects of uh, jet lag. So Maybe. Uh, it's a high probability that I am still <laughs> suffering the effects of jet
0: lag. But we're going to do our podcast nonetheless. We are. We're going to push on through. Because that's um, how dedicated we are to you. Today we're going to be discussing a really Interesting character who is going to present us with a couple of problems, I think, from the outset when we're talking about the idea of deviant women. Yeah, that's right. Because we're actually going to be talking about somebody who never really identified as a woman. Yeah,
1: so this is a person who at birth was given the identity of female. Yeah, She was prescribed a female identity at birth. Biologically
0: born a female.
1: But did not... In later life identify that's right identify. yeah
0: absolutely and so this is um someone who was known by a few different names eugenia fellini was her birth name but then later in life was known as harry crawford for the main part and so harry crawford
1: is the individual that we're going to be talking about today that's right yeah. very interesting individual and not Our discussion will traverse some of the areas of, I guess, identity in this particular period of time because it's quite a different uh, understanding of what gender identity is than what it is today. Absolutely. Um, But... We're also going to be talking about crime. Yes, we
0: are. Genuine deviance. So
1: there's two kinds of deviance here. Yeah, that's right. Well, because um, I think
0: last time when we were dropping a few clues about who we're going to be talking about this time around, I said that that we're going to be talking about someone who is a genuinely deviant person. Now, what I meant by that was not necessarily that they were a trans identity. That's not at all where the deviance necessarily lies in this day and age, certainly at the time that we're talking about, it was considered a sexual perversion. That's right. But it's more the fact of something that this individual may or may not have done. Mm,
1: that's right. In later life. So we've got a couple of interesting be points of discussion today. We sure do. So where are we situated okay, in time right, and place, well, okay, Zia, Absolutely. You? So we're going to be.
0: Going back in history, and we're going to be starting in 1875. We're going to start on the 25th of January. Oh, it's quite specific. It is, 1875, and we're going to start in a place called Ardenza in northern Italy. Italy at this time was actually not a wonderful, beautiful place to be. Gobsmacked. So, (laughs) who would have thought? (laughs) But, fortunately, we don't have to stay there very long Mm. at all, because at this period in history us down here in the antipodes we um were in the drive to get more skilled manual laborers down to us and to help us out and Mm. so we're only going to be in italy for the first two years of eugenia's Mm. life when really not a lot happens to eugenia so but am i wrong was she one of 22 children no 22 is an exaggeration okay
1: that's close to correct really but it was more like 17 oh still yeah it is a lot of children i mean that's something really telling about the situation that she was born into so she was the first born in italy the other children weren't born
0: in italy so at the age of two mum dad and eugenia pack up and they moved to New Zealand. Mm. So our story actually really starts in New Zealand because at this period in time, sort of it was the end of the New Zealand gold rush, there was a massive influx of specifically Italian immigrants into New Zealand at this point in time. And there was the offer of free passage to skilled migrants as well. Mm. Eugenia's grandmother also was already living in New Zealand, so there was already another family connection for why her parents packed up and moved but it wasn't until they arrived in New Zealand that the rest of the enormous brood of children there you go they're all kiwis Eugenia really we could probably say a kiwi as well I I mean too also though I guess it is important to know that as sort of the eldest child I guess there are real expectations on the kind of person that she would come to be yeah and those expectations very quickly were thwarted yep when it Appeared very early on in Eugenia's life, that Eugenia was, and I'm going to put this in inverted commas, a tomboy, Mm. of course, because Eugenia preferred to dress in boys' clothes, preferred to do boys' things. So she was actually a bit of a disappointment to her Mm. family from a very early stage, unfortunately, because she had other plans. Yeah. She had other ideas about who she wanted to be.
1: And I wonder, this is a really interesting, because we're in... I guess the very late 1800s, early 1900s. And I can only imagine what it must be like back then to feel like you don't fit into the body that you have. I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like to have that experience now. And I feel like we should address the fact that we are talking about this as two cisgendered women. Yeah. So we haven't had to deal with these problems. We certainly haven't had to deal with them in the 19th century yeah you know yes,
0: which so i think is a very different time I, think to it's really
1: with different. I mean imagine what she must have been going through and the confusion that she must have been absolutely experiencing and at this
0: stage i mean she ran away from home when she was 15 years old but she actually reappeared on her own on okay. her own steam so it may well may well have been solely for the sake of her grandmother that she came back yeah. because this is the only person that really loved her for who she was and accepted her for who she was but now that she was back in the folds of the family her father decided that he had better do something about it so in 1894 when she was 19 he married her off oh so she actually gets married and she gets married to an italian man is forced into this marriage but luckily or maybe unluckily it actually turned out this guy was already married to oh, someone right. else and you anyway can't, you can't do that and you can't do that that's big bigger me that's not an acceptable thing no. um he took her away to Auckland but quite soon into their marriage she discovered that he was actually already married to somebody else and quite happily ran away Bye. quite happily escaped that marriage and she went back to Wellington so at this point her family really sort of just start to let her go mm. sort of start to forget that she even existed so at this point um eugenia changes her name to eugene and this is at the first point in her life at which she decides to present herself as a man mm. so in returning to wellington from her failed marriage her yeah briefly lived failed marriage she begins working in manual labor for the first time i should probably say he now because yes. i think this is at the point where this is he now. this yep. is he now this is where the identity changes and we can say that Eugene was the first in a series of different identities or different names that Harry, who, as we'll come to mm. know him for the most part, takes on throughout his life. So Eugene takes up plenty of new manual labouring jobs, um, but pretty much every single time someone exposes him or at some point he's found out yeah. to, to actually be a, a, a woman. woman. So. It doesn't take him long to realise that Wellington is not the place to be because the longer he stays in Wellington, the more this is just simply mm. going to happen. And so at the age of 21 in 1896, Eugene decides that's time to leave Wellington. So as Eugene, again, decides to get work as a seaman mm. for the first time. And, I mean, for a long time he was having the time of his life because he was drinking and swearing and you know getting to sailoring it up sailoring it up being a real man's man mm-hmm. on board but at the same time that very conservative nature of you know not bathing in front of anyone else not being involved in the pissing contest yeah i was, so, you know, saying, like, was not
1: pissing off the side of the ship yeah all of that you know? sort
0: of stuff um i mean did raise a little bit of suspicion but just to the extent where he obviously just seemed like a very conservative individual yeah. who was had some real just a little bit of weird Puritan kind of prudish yeah. kind of behaviours. But in 1897 on board a ship that was captained by an Italian man, the Italian captain sort of takes an interest in the fact that Eugene's heritage is Italian and wants to, you know, have a bit of a conversation and get to know him a bit better and speak in a bit of Italian. Oh. And this is at the
1: point... I see where this is going. Yeah,
0: this is at the point we're speaking
1: in Italian. Yeah,
0: so yeah. Italians are a gendered language. Well, this
1: is the thing, right? So,
0: in English, when you're mm-hmm. talking in English, we don't end our words with gendered yeah. articles. You know, we don't mm-hmm. do that. So, when you're talking in Italian yeah. and you accidentally slip up, and the Italian captain is going to realize that that's it's like, oh, that's, that's a bit weird that you that's not a slipper a feminine. Exactly. Term, like, yeah. So this makes the sea captain a little bit suspicious yeah, and looks into it further and further and more and more until discovers that,
1: indeed, Eugene is a woman. And this is not a good place to be discovered as a woman. This is not
0: a good place to be discovered as a woman because, of course, first of all, there's fury about the fact that everyone's been deceived all this time and there's a woman on board, which is terrible, bad luck. But also, I mean... He's a sea captain. He's been at sea for a really right. long time. There haven't been any women. So what happens? Poor fucking Eugene is raped. It's awful. Is it's raped by the sea captain. So it's really it's horrendous. It's horrendous. And then, I mean, they're still at sea and they're going to be at sea for like the next two months. So he is put into the storage hold, basically caged up, caged up for two months. Shit! And the sea captain kind of basically says that this is for
1: her in a lot of comments. Yeah, I bet it's for her safety. Yeah, it's for your own good so that she she doesn't get
0: like raped by everyone else on the ship. Fuck off. But at, the same, but at the same time, there's nothing to stop the speculation that he continually, continued yeah, continue right. to go back and rape her over the period yeah. that they were at sea and that she was basically incarcerated in the storage hold for the next couple of months while yeah. they were at sea. It's horrific. It's, it's a, the
1: worst situation. It's you a can, horrible, horrible, horrible that's period fast. of time. That's, yeah.
0: So at the end of this period of time, they arrive in Newcastle and he just gets turfed off the ship just
1: left behind left behind off you go see you hey, later that's better than being stuck on that ship
0: but lauren what? what now he's pregnant oh fuck that's yeah oh man so
1: oh no so he's turfed off the ship in newcastle pregnant and again how much trauma like so- really there's not only the trauma of the ex- that experience on the ship of, oh my God, of, of violence, sexual assault, imprisonment um, for months at sea, but the trauma of that bod- like bodily, bodily, bodily trauma. Yeah,
0: exactly. So that at this point, there's actually no real ability for Eugene to set up life as a male now, mm. to sort of, to set up a new life for himself. Eugene knows no one. However, does remember a family connection that his family back in New Zealand had talked about a very um, wonderful ch- and childless Italian couple called the Deanne Angelus. And so uh, Eugene goes and basically asks for their help. And they are a wonderful, very... Well, especially uh, the wife is a very loving, very open, wonderful woman and takes Eugene in. And um, on the 19th of September, 1898, at the age of 23, Eugene gives birth to a girl, Josephine. Mm. And obviously didn't want Josephine. And we can say obviously because this is what the record shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, And... Fortunately, having had no children of their own, the Angeles are more than willing to take Josephine in and adopt her, which they do. And at this stage, Eugene officially
1: adopts the name of Harry Crawford and begins a whole new life. And this is also not just an identity of a new name, but... He's now identifying as being Scottish. Yeah, so he changes his entire identity at this point. Um,
0: Again, Italians, still not very popular in Australia at this stage in history. So, yeah, adopts a new persona, presents as a Scottish man, and begins doing manual labour again and basically moving around, in, living in different boarding houses, doing different manual work, getting a reputation as a bit of a ladies' man oh. because he's also very funny, very witty, uh, very very good with the ladies and also a bit of a drunk Okay. too at this point. Likes to get a little bit on the juice. <laughs> Unfortunately, this also plays into the rare occasions that he goes to visit Josephine. Um, he often turns up. Drunk. Oh, and right. Raving. And he is kind of contributing a little bit of money here and there to Josephine, but not really a lot and not in any kind of regular fashion. So, again, this sort of suggests that there wasn't really much interest mm-hmm. for Harry in Josephine whatsoever. Josephine is actually eventually told when she's seven years old, she's told the truth mm. about her father. Right. So, in inverted commas, she has always believed harry to be her father yeah and it's not until she's seven which seven doesn't really seem like an age where you would necessarily grasp these sorts of no, things. no so that's, that's really
1: question. young
0: but at seven is told the truth that harry is actually her biological mother so anyway harry carries on for the next 14 odd years and uh in about 1912 at the age of 37 decides to have a bit of change of pace for work and actually takes up a job as a, a coachman and a yard hand on the north shore of Sydney for a doctor, Clark. Takes up this new profession and, while working here, meets the housekeeper, Annie Burkett. And Annie Burkett is a widow with a nine-year-old son who's also called Harry. Mm. And Harry, our Harry, Harry Crawford, pretty much falls in love with Annie straight away and begins the process of... Wooing, of wooing, and courting. Of wooing and courting, Annie. And Annie is quite intrigued by this handsome, young, thirty-seven's yeah, young. I'm going to say thirty-seven old. young. Yeah, yeah. It's not this old. handsome young man and his <laughs> flirtations and his uh, interests in Annie. They've been spend a lot of time together. And Harry spends a fair bit of time as well, trying to kind of win over Harry Junior's mm. affections. They go on a lot of picnics. In Lane Cove River Park.
1: Oh, yes. Okay. Yep, that's Um, significant.
0: Lane Cove River Park is going to become key to us very shortly in the story. And it doesn't take too, too long for Annie and Harry to get married. Get married. So in February 1913, they tie the knot. Excellent. And become Mr. and Mrs. Harry Crawford. It's important to know that Annie's sister, Lily, doesn't like Harry, has never liked Harry. Okay. And um is not very interested. Do we know why? No, I think it's basically just because he's a bit of a drunk and a bit oh, of yeah. a ruffian. And I don't think Lily really ever thought that he was quite deserving of her sister's yeah, affections. Fair and she's a bit suspicious of Harry. But at this stage, they decide that they're not going to work for Dr. Clark anymore, that they're going to set up their own little confectionery shop in Balmain, which is back on the South Shore. A confectionery shop? Yeah, confectionary I didn't shop. expect that. You didn't, ex- didn't see that coming, no, I didn't did you? didn't see that coming. But so they buy themselves a little shop and they set up in Balmain as a happy little family. And they are a happy little family for quite some for time, while. for a little while. until in (laughs) 1914 josephine
1: turns up again
0: she turns up but the thing is that harry never told annie
1: yeah so okay so this is the this is the interesting thing because harry didn't tell annie a lot of things
0: (laughs) no he sure didn't
1: he Um, didn't tell annie that he had a daughter no he didn't tell annie that he had a daughter and one must presume that annie never saw harry Naked. Okay, so what?
0: let's let's discuss this for a minute. All right? right? So we'll just we'll just take a step back from from the chronology of this story. Okay. To discuss a, a very interesting part uh, or something that was really sensationalized. Um, oh, I know at, what you're going to talk about. At this point, uh, yeah. When when we come to the part of the story where we go public, yeah. um, there was an element of Harry's story that was shockingly sensationalized. Absolutely. At the time. So as I mentioned before, Harry was a ladies' man and Annie and Harry are now man and wife. So you've got to expect that at some point we're going to consummate this marriage. He's had sex with women before this marriage as well. So how is he
1: doing it? But this is, okay, but also we need to, I think, probably think about our idea of sex. But although, having said that, I imagine in the 19th century there probably is a very heteronormative idea about what sex is oh yeah in terms of sex is penetrative sex between a man and a woman
0: absolutely but this is penetrative this is penetrative
1: sex between a man a man and a woman
0: yeah yeah and the other thing as well to keep in mind is that even married couples wouldn't have really known as much about sex as no. married
1: couples too now absolutely uh, not i mean people... as much about as, as 11 year old children know about sex now <laughs>
0: exactly that's I right mean... so um it's actually not completely ridiculous to consider that annie and that the other women that ha- harry had
1: been with would not have suspected but there's also just little things like every so what we're talking about here is the fact that annie never knew that harry was not biologically of that's right annie annie was 100 percent convinced that harry was a man but this is even if we're just thinking about day-to-day life bathing
0: you know
1: yeah like all of the small little intimacies of Mm -hmm. life in a home there's so many aspects that harry must have kept um so private and didn't share with annie like even just the the idea of never having been topless around her yeah and
0: this was let alone sex this is the sort of thing that actually did drive Annie a bit crazy and she would wonder why she wasn't allowed to see him naked. Yeah, and She was pretty sure other women had seen their husbands naked yeah. and it was strange that she had never seen her husband naked. But she would have just put it down to extreme Conservatism. Mm, just, it's
1: really hard to get into that mindset of thinking about what that level of conservatism actually means on a day to day level. God. Yeah, but but again, this is the, the early nineteen hundreds. has got to be because so there's also theories, and this is getting perhaps off track a little bit. And I don't prescribe to these theories, but there are also some people who claim that perhaps, like Annie knew uh, about Harry and that they were actually living together quite openly in their private lives as a lesbian couple. I don't prescribe. To that necessarily, because I think that that indicates a whole lot of other things about Harry's not just gender identity, but sexual identity as well. Yeah, and sexual orientation. Yeah, I
0: don't know because from what I have read, and I'm gonna to say most of what I have read has come from a biography of Harry Crawford's life. Yeah, one particular biography, which actually kind of really looks at the court case that we're coming to shortly. What I really want to talk about now, though, is if we do consider that Annie was hundred percent convinced that Harry was biologically a man. Then the way in which Harry achieved this feat in yes. the marital bed. Right. And yes. indeed in indeed in bed with other women prior to this. Mm-hmm.
1: Dildos were a thing. Yeah. Definitely. They, they have been for, for it like been since, for a long time. Basically like since the beginning of civilization. Yeah. People yeah. have been finding things to stick in there. <laughs> Their vaginas yeah. and other various orifices. Whatever you're, back,
0: <laughs> Whatever you're into <laughs> is fine. So um, quite early on when Harry began having dalliances with ladies, he realised that he needed to try and make some very convincing kind of appendage mm. that he could use for this
1: task. So he actually fashioned himself a pretty impressive dildo. Really? Yeah. I knew um, that there was one. I knew that there was a dildo at the centre of the trial. There is a dildo, but, yeah. um, I didn't know that he fashioned it himself. He did. He, he made it himself. He
0: basically made, is a homemade strap-on.
1: Yeah, which is, great.
0: Good for him. It's kind of great, but I don't know if I would want to have sex with a have homemade seen strap-on, which I'd uh, just like to tell you what it's made of, right. if I may. So he gets himself a piece of hardwood, which he... Uh, Fashions into the ideal size and shape. Yep. And attaches it to two leather straps, wraps the um, hardwood itself in gauze over wood, and then puts another layer of very high quality leather over the top of that.
1: Right. And uh, has fashioned himself okay. a dildo. And I wonder again how much this plays in, like, how satisfying this is to him to have that appendage. And it's not. I wonder how important it was to him to have that aspect of, you know. Masculinity. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think some of the speculations that I have read have kind of suggested that really, for Harry, it was much more about pleasuring mm. the, the other person. Sure. Much more about pleasuring yep. Annie than it was about deriving any sexual pleasure for yep. it, for himself. Mm -hmm. And it was much more, I think, about meeting an idea of what a good husband would do. Yeah. As we've mentioned, so this worked Mm. for uh, the period of their marriage in which they were very, very happy. And yes, I think of all intents and purposes, we can assume that Annie was probably just 100% convinced that this was her husband.
1: And also the other thing is that you wouldn't have even a point of reference from which to even make guesses or assumptions about the man that you have in your life isn't who he says he is because a trans identity wasn't something that was really even in public discourse it's not something that people would even consider as being a thing and if they did i imagine it probably would have been the opposite way around you know men dressing as women there was a field of sexology that was Considering
0: at this stage what was really kind of more referred to as, like, sexual inversion. Yeah. So homosexuality was definitely a thing that people were aware of. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of writing about it. And it did also sort of lead into theorising about sexual inversion, which is basically transgender transsexualism like it, yeah. it kind of encompassed these ideas
1: but it's definitely seen as something that is deviant like oh yeah in the sense that yeah. we have like retaken that term deviant yeah. but this is like yeah. but but more, a perversion it's seen yeah, as a but perversion but as a disorder as yeah. a, as a disease and this is actually you were talking about the biography that you've used and i haven't read this biography myself but i'm put off of it because of the stance that the author takes in terms of labeling Harry as having a disorder. It's very hard
0: for me to say. I mean, the writer of this particular biography is actually a QC. So it's coming Mm. at it from a legal point of view rather than as a writer. And, I think, tries to negotiate some territory that's really, really difficult. So, I mean, for example, on the blurb on the back of this particular biography, it does say that that Harry was a tragic main character who believed she was a man trapped in the body of a woman. That kind of language isn't really helpful. No. Because it's not about believing no. something. I mean, trans identities, are it's not about a
1: mistaken belief that's in right. who you are or what you are. At the time, it may have been seen that way, I think there's enough evidence to suggest that if Harry were alive today, he would be a trans man. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. You know, it's, yeah. this is his identity. Yeah,
0: if Harry were alive today, things would be very very different for Harry. Yeah, I think.
1: I'm still not. No, super still easy. Not good. Oh my god. But oh my god, a no. lot better than we the early a, 1900s. We have a. A long oh, way to We go. are so at the beginning of this, like, yeah, so at the beginning yeah. of understanding, yeah, trans identity in any way that is. is so to consider inclusive how and empathetic and oh yeah, understood in any can, any way, yeah, shape, or form. Completely. So
0: to so to consider the position that Harry was in 117 years ago, yeah. I mean, it's quite terrifying, really, to yeah. think about what Harry would have gone through, and of course the reason why harry was so desperate to conceal the fact that biologically
1: yeah was a female yeah so because the important thing here is that he really is very concerned about concealing this identity there's a lot of reasons for that obviously being outed comes with so many potentially horrific consequences just like it does now being outed today has so many horrific consequences yeah. still is a fucking problem but then, I mean, he could have faced the legal system as well as, of course, the social and cultural exclusion that would come with that.
0: And this is at a period in time where, of course, there was the famous Oscar Wilde case yeah. as well for having sex with a man, yeah. not for impersonating, in inverted commas, another gender, but just this simple act of homosexual sex. Yeah. I mean, so at this period in history, obviously massively problematic.
1: Yeah. So we were at Josephine Returns. So Josephine,
0: she's now 16 and she's pregnant. Oh, and really? Yes, oh, Josephine. she is. And she's pregnant to, to a sailor as well. Oh, Just Josephine. so we all know. But uh, sadly, the baby is premature and the baby does not live. And at this stage, she turns up on the doorstep because the de Angelis had passed away. Oh, really? And there was never a signed will. So Josephine okay. was not left anything. So Josephine is destitute, young, recently lost a baby. What does she do? She turns up on the doorstep of Harry's. And this is the first that Annie has learnt Mm. about the existence of a daughter. And for Harry and Josephine, they agree that it's best that they just keep up the story that Harry is her father. It kind of becomes a little bit difficult because stories don't begin to match and a few different stories told Mm. um, that Josephine's mother has died or there's other stories that she simply disappeared. Mm -hmm. People question her about where her mother is. She doesn't really give satisfactory answers. People question Harry about what happened to his first wife. He doesn't give satisfactory answers. So this becomes a little bit of a problem and Josephine's a bit of a difficult person she doesn't get along well with annie they clash they have fights things in the marital home start to go a little bit wrong harry starts drinking more and mm-hmm. more harry and josephine have more and more fights eventually josephine who has kept her mouth shut all this time about her father's true identity in just a fit of kind of anger and rage at having yeah. had another tiff lets slip to a neighbor yeah. that harry is biologically a woman Mm. so she watches harry quite closely for a while and eventually kind of becomes convinced that this is the truth right. and she lets on to annie annie yeah that indeed her husband may not be what he says he is and annie of course doesn't believe this at the beginning
1: because it's a pretty sensational thing to get be told, told. Yeah. But then at the same time then surely she's sitting there thinking it is a bit strange Oh, Tis. It is. It is a bit. It is a bit I strange mean, the thing that is, is I've never seen Harry without his shirt on. And he was married before. She does have a child. She hasn't yeah. had sex with she men knows before. So she what's she, what?
0: Yeah, so she knows what's what and At what's At least where. a little bit. And I guess suspicions are aroused. So she, she does confront him, does ask to see him without mm. his clothes on to prove to her that he's man, which he won't do, eventually... She's 100% convinced yeah. that, indeed, what the neighbour has told her is the truth. Yeah. However, they continue to live together for the next eight months okay. after this. During this time, I guess Harry is considering that maybe she's coming to accept yeah. the
1: arrangement. Oh My God, imagine. And
0: Ooh. that maybe that they can make it work and maybe that they won't have to live a lie anymore. They can just yeah. be together. But really, for the majority of this time, Annie is probably just considering ways she can get out of the marriage and have the marriage annulled. And there are a few different ways that that can happen at the time, but a lot of them would expose the situation that they're in. And obviously that's something they both want to avoid yeah. doing. Annie yeah. wants out of the marriage because she's been lied to, but doesn't want to expose what's happened, yeah. right? It's not in anyone's best interest to do yeah. that. So on the 28th of September, 1917, Harry and Annie go for a picnic.
1: They're always going on bloody picnics. They are going on picnics. But that's nice. Good for so them. So they
0: go on a picnic to the Lane Cove yes. River Park. And I think Harry at this stage probably thinks it's because they're going to work things through. And Annie is really just hoping that they can come to some kind of agreement about how they can have their marriage annulled and not expose anything at the same time. We can't really say for sure what happened at this point, I'm afraid. All that that can be made is speculations. Mm. But speculation that a fight ensued, words Words were said, said, and that things got a little out of hand, and that at some point there may have been a tussle. Yes. Annie may have tripped, hit her head. Yeah. Become unconscious, but appeared
1: for all intents and purposes to Harry to have died. Right. Okay. Because there's another really important thing.
0: Because now at this point, Harry... Panics, yeah, and
1: for so many
0: reasons, doesn't want to have to report this to to the police, and so Harry gathers some firewood, mm-hmm. and makes a little campfire, burns the remains, yeah, leaves the body there. The only part of the body that's not really burnt beyond recognition are the shoes, are the right. feet. The shoes remain somewhat intact. I'm and guessing then, that's going to be important, and yeah, it's going to be important. And then Harry goes home. Harry Junior mm. turns up. Where's Mum? Where's Mum? Oh man! Oh, Harry's Harry. like, "Oh, your Mum's run off with the plumber." With a plumber. Harry Junior is like, "Okay, <laughs> right," and then proceeds to ask zero questions about his mother for basically the rest of forever. That's so, so <laughs> yeah. So Harry, mate. What
1: are you so doing?
0: it takes three years. Three years for Harry Junior to report his mother as a missing person. Oh fucking
1: hell. What is ro- what is going on there? He's only about 11 or oh, so. Oh, okay. At this stage. Okay. Okay. Still an 11-year-old child's surely going to be very vocal so, and upset about the fact that their mother is gone, right? So
0: even when Harry sells all their furniture, packs everything up and moves them out of the house, gives away a bunch of Annie's possessions, Harry's junior is still just like, sure. So there are no immediate ramifications. Harry tells a bunch of people who ask him where Annie's gone, a whole bunch of different stories, that she has run off with a plumber, that she's cavorting, uh, running around with other men, that she's gone to live with other relatives, just tells a bunch of random stories. stories to people that don't match But, you know, nobody really questions that any further. Everybody just accepts it. In Harry Jr.'s story that he tells later on, uh, Harry Crawford may have attempted to kill him a couple of times. Oh, yes,
1: I heard about this. He he took him back up to Lane Cove. He took him, well, he took him to the Gap. Oh, the Gap was a suicide point. Yeah, yeah. so was just like, oh, look at The Gap is a very famous cliff. Look over the edge of the cliff. Yes. One might think to then push him off, but he didn't push him off. Well, apparently
0: his intention was to push him off. Yeah. But Harry Jr. refused to go to the edge, and right. so he never was able to do it.
1: And but, another story, he was like, "Hey, let's go dig a hole." Yes.
0: And, and another got st- a shovel yeah. and went
1: off with Harry in the middle into of the, the night, in the middle, with yeah. a shovel
0: in the middle of the night in a thunderstorm. <laughs> this is how, so This is what Harry Jr. told the police later. Yeah. That had happened over that weekend. That obviously, in some fit of an attempt oh, at murder, fuck, what am I gonna do? A oh, murder God. suicide, yeah. he yeah. had decided that he would kill Harry Jr. and then kill himself as yeah. well. But he never went through with it. And what actually happened was Harry Jr. went to uh, live with another family, and Harry Crawford went on to become a different. Person altogether. Yeah. Harry continued basically moving around and working in different jobs. Um, he, I guess, had the death of Annie mm, hanging, hanging heavily over his head, over his head at, at this stage and was depressed and dejected and uh, went back to drinking mm. um, and was living in a particular hotel. And there was a woman who I think worked at the reception of the hotel called Lizzie oh yeah and um he began to become very friendly with lizzie Mm. and lizzie showed a lot of interest and compassion and empathy towards him and asked him how he was and tried to cheer him up and over time lizzie and harry became very very close yeah until in fact they married they got married yeah so Lizzie knew nothing. so, so she, Has he even presented himself as a, a
1: widower or anything like that?
0: No, no, he's made no mention right. of a previous marriage. I think actually this is the point at which he takes on the persona of a, of a Scotsman. I think, oh, okay. I think previous to this, I don't think he necessarily presented himself as a Scotsman. But I right. think Lizzie was Scottish originally, so okay. I think so that, he's like, I oh, think he kind of tailors I'm this to Scottish
1: her. Too. Yeah
0: so they they are married <laughs> and their relationship is a much more harmonious relationship than the relationship he even had with annie especially when josephine was around so it's it's basically a, a perfect marriage yeah and not that far into the marriage lizzie
1: becomes pregnant oh right yeah what so okay um, lizzie What's going on lizzie? yeah so so
0: lizzie has a romantic dinner at which she announces to harry that
1: she's pregnant and is harry just like and you can imagine oh, that. that's great <laughs> harry's oh. response to that is but confusion wasn't, wasn't
0: lizzie quite old lizzie was lizzie was quite old the sad truth is lizzie had made the decision she was pregnant based on the fact that her periods had stopped.
1: Oh, right. But she wasn't pregnant. Ah, she was menopausal.
0: It was time of life. Right. Because
1: so I was going to
0: say, I thought she was in her 50s or something. She was in her late 40s. Late uh, yeah, 40s. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so she was mistaking menopause oh. for pregnancy. Oh, no. But Harry, of course, was very confused. <laughs> this is like, what the- <laughs> and Harry kind of suspected that maybe. Lizzie Maybe was she was having an effect, But it's not it's Harry's. It's not Harry's. It's not anyone's because it doesn't exist. Yeah. But Lizzie doesn't find this out for a while yet. So Lizzie goes on believing she's pregnant for quite some time. Oh, she wow. starts buying, like, baby stuff. Oh, my stuff. God. Oh,
1: yeah, Lizzie. So sort of honey, someone did not have a conversation about the facts of again, life with her. the early 1900s. Yeah.
0: But at this point in time, Harry Jr. finally, off in his own little world <laughs> elsewhere, <laughs> He hasn't heard from his mother in, like, Like three (laughs) years. But she disappeared in strange circumstances. Uh, And so Harry Jr. finally begins to suspect that maybe something something strange may have happened to his mother. So he goes to visit Lily, Annie's sister. Oh, yes, Lily, the
1: sister who was always suspicious of Harry and didn't like him.
0: And for quite some time, Annie and Lily were estranged because of this fact. However, shortly before annie disappeared she had gone to visit lily and she had made mention of the fact that she basically said harry wasn't a man but lily had interpreted that to mean that he was like either just not a mas- like yeah, masculine, like just just in- inferior in yeah, bed yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know something like that she hadn't taken it literally yeah. to mean he wasn't a man so harry goes to speak to lily and they kind of piece their stories together And they decide that they should probably go to the police. Yep. Which they do. And they lay their story out. And the police decide, well, yeah, in which case, look, we should probably arrest
1: arrest. this man. Because they've discovered a body of a Jane Doe, right? They have. So three years earlier, they did
0: discover the charred remains of a woman um, and they couldn't identify her. Mm. They had placed ads in the newspaper. They'd put a picture of the shoes shoes, in the newspaper. Interestingly enough... This is a fact that Harry Jr. also remembered three years later. Didn't (laughs) ring any alarm bells for him at the time. Harry Crawford, illiterate, couldn't read. Mm. Um, He had seen in the paper a picture of the shoes. He'd been looking in the paper for pictures and he saw it and he'd actually had to ask Harry Jr. if he could read the article to him about the shoes, which Harry Jr. did obligingly. And just
1: didn't even twig like, oh, my my mum has just disappeared and my stepdad is asking me randomly and out of the blue to read a very particular article about a Jane Doe that's turned a up a charred with body this particular pair of shoes. Yeah. Man. But later oh, on. Harry. Jr. Oh, look,
0: it only takes him about three years. So Harry Crawford is arrested, but the police don't really necessarily go about things in the correct fashion. Right. But it does lead to him being charged with murder. Yeah. And in the original autopsy of the Jane Doe charred body that's discovered, there was no foul play suspected. The assumption was that it was perhaps a drunken vagrant that had lit a fire to keep themselves warm right. and had accidentally stumbled into it and... Caught a light. Caught a light or had passed
1: out I in heard the that fire. It was, there was a theory that it was like a suicide by self-immolation.
0: Yes, yep. Yeah. So also the theory that it it was indeed intentional
1: but no foul play was suspected in the original find a charred body in the middle of nowhere and you're not drawn to foul play well because the
0: autopsy didn't show any other signs of injury It didn't discover any blows any yeah there's no stab wounds there's no no stab wounds, wounds there's no there's nothing
1: just a charred body just
0: a charred body so the assumption was that yeah it may well have been an accident Mm. but now that harry goes to trial and there's a suspicion that the body now we've named it it's annie Mm. Birkin. her body is exhumed and brought back for a second go so the same experts that did the original autopsy are brought back in to look at the now severely decomposed body and they have a closer look at the skull And they decide that there are a lot of cracks in the skull that are consistent with simple burning, the fact that, you know, fluid's in your brain. Yep. But there is one particular fissure in the skull Mm. that they suspect may have been a blow, blow, an inflicted blow. So now three years later, they've changed their minds and they've decided, well, actually, there may have been violence done to the body. And
1: she may well have been. So this is all a lot of very shaky evidence, really, isn't it? Like, Such shaky evidence. Circumstantial. Circumstantial. Three years later autopsy yeah. with... I mean, the forensic evidence of the 1920s, I'm assuming, is not, not great. amazing. No. So when you've got a body three years later and... Oh, uh, the first time we didn't think that this was worthy of like thinking of being violence. linked to violent, yeah. but now actually here's this Fisher, sure and yeah, okay, maybe sure, this should sure. be a blow. Yeah.
0: And also in the trial, a whole bunch of like witnesses were called who said that they had seen a man in the vicinity looking stressed, and that of course they all decided that, you know, in a lineup, they'd already seen. Harry's photo in the paper because this turned into a
1: circus, right?
0: Harry was paraded around as the man woman. Yeah,
1: of course. Because this is the shocking part of this case for everybody. It's not that man, you know, allegedly murders wife. It's that woman impersonates man, man. yeah, and then murders, yeah, has wife, yeah, woman as man gets married,
0: yeah, yeah, somehow. It was a circus, wasn't it? It was a total circus. Because, of course, shortly after Harry was arrested, his worst fears came true in the fact that his biological gender was exposed. It's
1: it's revealed in the most horrifically public way.
0: Yeah. And... He's examined by a court doctor who, within a matter of seconds, is like, oh, this is a woman. Yeah. Because it doesn't take you long to have a look down there and be like, actually, I'm sorry, you you clearly don't have a penis. Yeah. It takes all of a few minutes for Harry's entire world to come crumbling down. And then basically, yeah, is paraded around as this freak man-woman pervert. It is huge in the papers. It's sensationalised and the, at the committal hearing there's just this media frenzy circus so many photos are published so many stories are published and this is a huge problem because we don't do this now now on the television people's faces are pixelated all this yep. sort of stuff because there's you know the fear of influencing your jury mm-hmm. later on yep. but of course everyone who was going to be on the jury at the oh, actual trial has Harry. already read everything in the paper is yeah. already prejudiced towards Harry because they've read everything about perverted. Weird yeah. Man and this woman. Is the thing
1: that it's, that becomes so much more of a, I guess a weapon of the prosecution to use against Harry. Yeah. It's not just that. It's not a murderer. It's not a murderer. He is a perverted, monstrous, like yeah. deviant person who is clearly has something Mentally wrong with, yeah, them a disorder. disorder is, yeah, yeah, oh, a disease. yeah, it's it's horrifying. yeah,
0: so it's totally just held up as a crazy freak, yeah. and Annie is this poor victim of this complete fraud of a yeah, husband, yeah, and so it goes to trial. and very sadly, harry and i mean it's hard we don't know whether or not harry actually Mm. did kill her intentionally yeah whether this was an accident whether anything was premeditated about it we don't know what really happened but either way harry is really subjected to horrible treatment in this case and murderer or no the way this plays out is really quite unfair and Poor Harry is given a pretty inexperienced representative right. in court. His lawyer is in no way matched to the case. Doesn't bother to discuss the fact that citing witnesses three years later yeah. are probably it's pretty not, problematic. It's, is not are not going to be reliable because <laughs> they've all, probably all all seen his photo yeah. in the paper yeah. and think they remember him like all this sort of yeah, stuff. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. and so. Poor Harry goes to jail for murder. Mm. Whether or not that's yeah. actually what happened. but this is what is. But this um, is what is. So charged with. This is what he's charged with, and there is some speculation that even if he did kill Annie, it wasn't necessarily premeditated. If um, he thought she was dead when she hit her head, and then simply burned her to get rid of the body it's horrible that's actually manslaughter not yeah. premeditated murder the charge should have been a different yeah. charge but anyway mm-hmm. he goes to prison with a death sentence
1: right yeah because i guess the thing is they don't actually know what killed her whether it was the blow to the head or the fire yeah is That the,
0: the, thing? the experts in the case were fairly confident that it was death by fire right and that even if there was a blow to the head beforehand. It probably didn't kill her. It probably wasn't what killed her. Okay. But there's also speculation that that's probably not true. She probably was dead before. Mm. So he goes to prison He goes to Long Bay jail yeah. with the death sentence. However, at by this stage, women weren't being hanged anymore. Okay. It, it was it was out of favour to hang women basically. Right so there's appeals there's a lot in the newspaper there are two different local papers that kind of take up opposing positions one is you know that the death penalty should be repealed and that there were deficiencies in the court case etc cetera, etc cetera. the other is no she's because now she's gone to a women's or woman's, a woman's mm-hmm. prison so now she is a she again in the eyes of the world and that she is a horrible monster and deserves everything that comes to her the sentence is actually repealed to uh, life in prison and the death penalty is uh, done away with. And in the women's prison
1: is forced to dress as a woman and to behave but as then, a woman. But did she... I mean, I guess we don't have any idea whether he identified as a woman at this point. I, no, no. Um, we have literally no way of knowing. No. But
0: probably still... I. Fairly confident we can say still identified as a man. Yeah. And actually, at this point in his life, prison was probably one of the better places to be Mm. because in a women's prison, like, suddenly Harry is not the most deviant person Mm. around Mm. anymore and Harry's deviancy is no more deviant than anybody else's and there are plenty of lesbian relationships going on around him, so... He's actually in a place where, for the first time, he's not a freak.
1: Hmm.
0: He's certainly not a freak wonder, to the extent that yeah, he... Yeah, I
1: wonder how much he would have maybe felt that himself. Like,
0: Well, he does actually uh, begin a very, very close relationship. Whether or not it was a an actual romantic relationship, I don't know if that's ever been kind of proven. But he begins the third sort of most important relationship in his life with uh, a woman who's actually quite higher up on the social scale hmm. than him or dorothy maud harry and dorothy have i think probably the first relationship in harry's life where he's not pretending to be someone else yeah and is actually managing just to have a a reciprocal affectionate relationship with somebody that is not based on lies yeah where he can just be open and honest about who he is and so strangely enough being in jail is the first place where he actually finds that sort of A kind of ironic freedom. Ironic freedom, exactly. Mm. But Dorothy Moore, as I mentioned, is quite a wealthy woman and she eventually has her sentence repealed and is set free. And when she is freed, she actually mounts a petition to have Harry freed as well. And uh, a lot of people get behind this. It becomes a huge political thing at the time as well. And eventually Harry is, after 11
1: years in prison, is freed. So I wonder what it is about... Uh, the case that made people suddenly get behind Harry to go from being this deviant, monstrous murderer to becoming somebody, obviously, a sympathetic enough figure to have a bunch of people petitioning you in support of you to have you released from prison. That seems quite remarkable, particularly in this period. Well, actually, on that note, there are a few interesting snippets
0: from different papers from the time that kind of suggest A bit more of a a turn in public perception of these sorts of things. So I'm just going to read this little snippet to you, which is from an article from about 1938 that begins to have a bit more of a sympathetic approach to Harry's predicament and talks a little bit about the then sort of perceived medical reasons for sexual inversion Mm. and talks about this arrest of feminine development and the appearance later of the emotions and instincts of the male are outstanding characteristics of men-women of the Fellini type. In recognising these amazing facts, medical science perceives a clue to future treatment or cure of sex inversion generally. Meanwhile, the unhappy victims of such sex defects demand our sympathy rather than ridicule or disgust. They are victims of nature's cruelest practical joke and atomic sex change in life's most elemental stage before ever they were born
1: wow okay there's a lot of problems with that this that's very problematic but seems in its context to be a step in the right direction so it's sympathetic because what it's saying is that you can't help it it's yeah the most important part about that is that they're saying that this is not something that that people can control That's that right. it is an, an element of their identity that is inherent yes however it's still very a problematic way of discussing that yeah. but obviously this is of a different historical context it's a context. completely different era and it's discussing
0: it as a defect
1: yeah which is which the problem obviously we would not do now
0: but the fact that there was this concept that there should be some kind of sympathy yeah. towards people rather than inherent disgust. Disgust and like... So this actually does work and Harry is actually free, but on a lot of conditions because basically this isn't freedom. This is basically just living out your life sentence in the world rather than in jail. Mm. And with this comes the price that for the rest of Harry's life, he can't be Harry. For the rest of Harry's life, he must now present as a woman. And so for the last part of Harry's life, he becomes Jean... Jean Ford, actually while in, in Long Bay Jail, he changes his name to Jean while he's in there. But when he leaves, he's Jean he's Ford and lives out the remainder of his days as a woman quite successfully. But this is still
1: a forced identity. It's still a forced identity. Yeah.
0: Becomes a landlady, quite a successful sort of property developer really, buys dilapidated, run-down mm. houses, turns them into really successful boarding houses and sells them and moves yeah. on. Um, so becomes really quite successful mm. in later life, but has to live out that entire identity
1: as a woman in order to avoid going back to jail. Which is a kind... Of, yeah, so that's that question of which one is the real... Which, which, which is, is the real options? prison! Which yeah, is the real prison! That's right. Which of those options is the real yeah. uh, free... Neither of them allow him to live a free life. No,
0: no. So for the last remaining years of his life, he presents as Jean Ford... People say, oh, was a lovely lady, mm. lovely old lady, does live to a ripe old age, and then one day is crossing the road to go to the bank to deposit some money and is hit by a car. Mm. And there ends our story. And is in coma for a couple of days and then dies. Oh, Harry. Absolutely no family to yeah. collect the body. And is eventually, I think, buried in an unmarked grave, I think,
1: perhaps. Well, I was just going to ask, I wonder which identity his body is but it's if it's unmarked then i think it is i'm i would need to recheck on that but i've been talking for too long so i can't (laughs) can't (laughs) recheck. yeah we have been a long episode today we have there's been so much to talk about so much to talk about
0: because i think there's so many fraught issues here and yeah i think as we as we began talking about at the start of our episode Interesting to take on board somebody who identified as a male and put them into our deviant women category. But I don't think we want to restrict ourselves from talking about fascinating figures who I mean it's all about subversion. Yeah. And it's it's all about challenging the status quo. Yeah. And definitely I think that, you know, talking about somebody who was at the forefront of this kind of way of thinking yeah, um, definitely. Especially here in Australia, had such a scandalous case, so much
1: public response to it.
0: It's really important to kind of remember somebody. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Like Harry, Crawford. and I mean, even though I think technically, really, we should be talking about Harry as a deviant man. Yeah, because I do think that if Harry were alive today, or if we had ever had the opportunity to have Harry's voice. I think that he he would identify as a man. I think there's sufficient evidence to suggest that he would identify as a man. Definitely. I don't think today.
0: that I don't think that's an assumption. I think that's right.
1: Yeah, but like you said, this podcast is about all kinds of different identities and all kinds of different ways of breaking against basically the the patriarchal heteronormative system. Like yeah. this is what it is, you know. Deviant women is not just restricted to cisgendered white women. women yeah that's <laughs> right well we we hope we that's our aim is that it's not restricted to cisgender heterosexual yeah we want to be as broad as women. possible so yeah. the other thing I think as well that we'd like to
0: say is that if anyone out there in podcast listening land Has any recommendations or suggestions for other people that we can talk
1: about in the future? We do have a few recommendations, a few suggestions that have come in and who I have on my list. Yeah,
0: and that we definitely plan to get to. But if you have other fascinating figures that you think would fit, please get in contact. Please let us know because we want to read
1: about as many people as we possibly can. We We keep on learning. Yep. So anyone who i guess the term deviant women applies to to so many different people yeah I, I really do want to emphasize that and of course it goes the other way as well anyone who identifies as a woman who yeah. wasn't necessarily born yeah. or assigned a female gender at birth of yeah. course it would be great to to tell the the same kind of a, a interesting fascinating trans story we inclusive man the other side get on board we're about the, everyone. <laughs> but we should probably wrap it up because it's been a long episode. Oh, fuck, yeah. We really should. <laughs> and Alicia is... I'm still jet lagged. You're still you. Actually, you know, that's probably why this episode has taken so long. So please forgive us if... if Thank you for sticking with us this long. And thinking, whew, it's been going a long time. Yeah. Just remember, Alicia has just got off a plane from New York. Yeah, that's right.
0: And she's... Uh, So be kind. She's suffering. I've done what I can. All right. (laughs) Seriously. I had to put together everything for this podcast on a flight.
1: (laughs) Good job with your flight research. Thank you. 13 hours on a fart box. It's a lot of reading you can get through. (laughs) So I just want to say before we go that um, we do have those merchandising works (gasps) in the pipeline. (gasps) And it's probably still going to take a little while, though, but we'll keep you updated about that. The other thing is to, if you haven't already, please jump on iTunes and rate, review, subscribe, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, share us with your friends. Tell your friends. Um, we are really keen also to hear from you if, you if anyone has any feedback or any comments or wants to have a conversation yeah. with us or wants to correct something we've said. Yeah, we haven't have we've not yet had any corrections. <laughs> we welcome corrections. I don't think that that's because we are. I don't think that's because we're getting hopeless. everything right. I think it's yeah. just that's on you guys <laughs> yeah so correct away please yeah. do so i guess we should just wrap up
0: we should wrap it up because my voice is failing he's
1: to gonna to bed <laughs> i need to go to sleep so
0: we will see you next time i will time. be
1: much more energetic and and lively and, and It will won't, be, won't take this long. won't be falling asleep if she's telling us oh, the story sorry. it won't take us this long to get to, to, get to the point <laughs> so thank you once again for joining us and thank we'll you. see you next time see you next time podcast uh, land